Let me, let me say that again. This is the Super Tight Podcast. My name is Woody. On today's episode, I got my buddy, Robert Ortiz. Robert has been touring with bands all his life, notably Blink-182, No Doubt, and more. We talk about how being sober contributes to your creative output, music, photography, and his newly found obsession with coffee, which I found really interesting. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, make sure it's a quality cup of coffee, and enjoy yourself with Robert Ortiz. Y'all. Vegas is, Vegas used to be kind of crazy. It was cool like when I was a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? I went there like on our way, we would stop there on our way to Colorado. Right. And it was uh, Circus Circus. And it was like, whoa, this place is gnarly. You couldn't have Circus Circus now, right? No way. Like all the animals and shit? No, There's no, no way. way. And uh, <laughs> and that was it. That's what I knew of Vegas. And then just like all, all the stories you hear. And then that there was a TV show called Vegas when I was a kid. And uh, and as I got older and I was like started partying and going out and doing stuff, I saw a really different side of Vegas than maybe most people don't because I saw it through with bands. Yeah. You know, I went first with punk rock clubs, the old Huntridge. We'd go there for the punk clubs and stuff in that place, whatever. And then the bands I worked for got bigger. So we played bigger places. And then so the after hours became a thing and like. So you saw like clubs. The, the dark side of Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> This is cool, but not. It, but so, it's cool, but it's. Yeah, no. <laughs> what is, so what is that like? Um, well, it was different because I mean, I I grew up in Los Angeles, so I kind of was already exposed to that. But yeah. Vegas is on a different level. People go to Vegas and just they lose their fucking minds. You know, it's yeah. like they come there to it's it's amateur night every night. Yeah, they there. come in there to purposefully and get they, fucked off. Yeah, and yeah. and some people are cool with it, and some people really are not. And um, I just, I kind of, I, I lost interest really quick with it. Yeah. And it was then it was just a matter of, fuck, I got to go there and deal with a bunch of idiots and a bunch of people who just don't care and people just, they, you know, whatever. And, um, and even then, like, you know, I stopped drinking and everything uh, a while ago and it's even... I just—it's even worse, you know what I mean? Like I'm just like, yeah, I just I don't have the patience. You can't do anything. I just—I'm <laughs> gonna go do this, and then, but you know, um, like okay, so for example, I was in Amsterdam for a, a week off in Amsterdam, and I had I had just stopped drinking and everything, and it made me explore the city and see a completely different side to a city that I was very. I had a great relationship with <laughs> certain bars and places in that city, and yeah. then I had to go rediscover it, which was amazing. And I've kind of done that now with Las Vegas, like down in the Arts District, which is kind of getting gentrified. It was, you know, really seedy part of town, and now it's like right. you know, there's galleries and cafes and all that kind of stuff. So that was made me kind of look normal. Deeper. It made me, it <laughs> made me look deeper into the city. Yeah, you know, and it's. 
it's just still not for me, but at least I know that there's other shit to do. I besides. think there's just a vibe there, man. Like you can put as many coffee shops and hipster little fucking safe havens you want, but it's a vibe. I mean, like yeah. the people oh, out there doubt. are crazy. You know, yeah. the the vibe out there is crazy. But Amsterdam, so you're not doing anything? No mushrooms? No. No, uh, I got sober about f- five years ago. Damn, it's been five years. Five years. Good for you. Yeah, that's dope. And. Um, uh, yeah, nothing. I mean, uh, coffee is uh, my last vice, as it were. Yeah. And uh, I even quit smoking about two years ago. Hell yeah. So no more cigs. That's awesome. And I didn't, and I didn't switch to the douche flute, so that's all dope. <laughs> I've never heard that before. A lot of my friends, that's how they quit the smoking. They switched flute. to the douche flute. Oh my God, that's amazing. It's a fedora for your mouth. <laughs> that's you know? so good. Um, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's an oral fixation. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, ah. and you know, funny enough, I quit smoking uh, with anger. Really? I, I quit with anger, yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I went... I came back from a really long tour, and when you're on tour, you just kind of you're charging, you're making it through, and then I came home and like my immune system shot, and so I got sick. A lot of people get sick when they come home from a long run, and um, I went to my car and I was like at late at night, I had to get something out of my car, something stupid, and I opened my car and you know I walked out in my bare feet like an idiot, and um, I get whatever it is I need to get, like a backpack, and I see my cigarettes, grab my smokes, light one up, and I take a big draw, and it just burned. Like, I was sick. I'd been hacking for days, yeah. and I hadn't had a cigarette in days, and it just and it just burned, and I just looked at my hand, and there was a cigarette, and I just, I crushed it, and I took um, the rest of the cigarettes, and I threw them in the trash, and I was literally mad at myself for like a week. Yeah, you know, and by then I had gotten all the nicotine out of my my system, and I was just like, "Fuck it, I'm just not going to do it." And a friend of mine uh, had a bet; uh, it was a thousand dollar bet that he couldn't uh, stop smoking for six months. And so I said, "I'll just not smoke with that you." That you couldn't? No, my friend had his. He had oh, a bet he, going. That he couldn't. And okay. so he was he was one somebody I used to smoke with. Yeah. And um, and so uh, we were touring together, and so I just didn't smoke with him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, let's do something besides smoke. Okay, like what? And so, you know what I mean? And it was like, all right. And, uh, and you know, being around uh, all the partying still and all the guys going nuts, like cigarettes were like a kind of a safe haven. I'm going to get away from this, everybody and go have because, a cigarette. You know, so you stopped drinking first. And then, yeah, I stopped drinking. And then cigarettes were kind of like the thing, you know? Mm-hmm, that was like yeah. that, like cigarettes and coffee. Like it's cool, everybody's drinking and partying, but I yeah, can still, I still hang out and have cigarettes, cigarettes with everybody and chill. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. you know, it's funny when I stopped drinking, um, I just I would still hang out, but I did. I just had a solo cup, a red solo cup. Yeah. And it was it was Pellegrino and a lime, and yep. everyone just thought I had a vodka drink. Yeah. And I would just hang out, and I'd be around everybody, and then once everybody got sloppy, I would just drop out. I just ghost. You yeah. know what I mean? And you be gone. Yeah, dip, and um, it, that was just that was kind of my mechanism to feel um, still a part of, and still have that. Like I'm still hanging out, I'm still with everybody. But then I was like, I don't think it really. I mean, I don't really drink that much anymore. I I rarely drink. I should say, like I barely yeah. go out. I pretty much stop smoking cigarettes. But I think I have a different. I have a different personality than you. For because sure. I think you're you're like. Either balls to the walls or like it's like all or nothing, right? Yeah, I I'm that guy. 
who I do it till it's gone. <laughs> I do it till it's gone, or I'm unconscious. Right. And that was my story for a lot of years. I mean, like a, a you know, I was a blackout artist, as Crazy. they say. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'd wake up and text people like, "Hey." How did I get back? Oh, you drove. Don't you remember driving everybody oh my home? God, man. Like I get I, that was that was uh, that was a, not an uncommon thing for me. Wow. And uh, you know scary. it got old, and you know it in it slowed down. It got it changed. You know once I had kids, it would be wouldn't be like that severe, but it would be I'm on tour, and so uh, my kids would be you know at home, so I could go do whatever. But like when I was home, I'd wait till they went to bed, and then I would drink. You know, yeah, and but still, uh, you get that tour pass, man. You can let loose. Oh yeah, you and pretty much fun. don't well, have you know. It's it's close to impossible to get fired from what you do when that type of behavior is encouraged. Exactly. It's yeah. not. It's it's like not. It's like no, no, no. Go ahead, keep going. You're fine. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, and that's you know that's a downfall to a lot of people who are in like entertainment music. Production, musicians, whatever. Um, there's all this downtime, so it's like a game of hurry up and wait. And then it's like, oh, we're in this city again. Oh, there's a great bar right here, right there. Or, hey, show's over. Here's all the goodies that you want. And it's funny because when you when you stop drinking or smoking or doing all that kind of shit with someone, it's like you almost establish a relationship with people. Smoking or drinking, right? Oh, and for sure. You have to like you have to recraft your relationship. Yeah, oh, exactly. After. So um, I have this tight crew of guys that I've been working with. Seems like forever, um, and um, I I got sober, and they they're still now charging. Yeah, you know, and I'm and I live with them on a fucking bus, and I go hang out, and you know, differences is like you know I. Not even in the same house, like on a bus. On a tour bus. Like so, that that's like the closest so quarters you can get, dude. At the end of the night, I, you know, take a shower, all that stuff, and then go to the bus, have some food with everybody. Everyone's just starting up. And then I go to the back lounge and I'm usually editing photos. I'll shoot the show from stage right. Uh, and you know, that's kind of my jam. And um, everybody will come in periodically to check, see, you know, say what's up and hey, how was your show? Or I'll go out to the front lounge of the bus and same kind of thing. And then every time, I'll come out like every, I don't know, half an hour or whatever. And there's just progressively <laughs> getting louder and louder. And there's people talking, and it's like everyone's talking over each other. And then uh, it's just, it just becomes a train wreck, and it's just—it's hilarious for me now. But um, you know, at some point, uh, there's like two people left standing, and I'm still awake. And I'll like, "Hey, you want to go? Have, need help getting to bed, dude?" <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, you know what I mean? I've totally. helped all the dudes, you know, make it back to their bunk or whatever. And at some point, and then. And then you wake up in the morning and you're just like, oh, well, I'm cool. I'm <laughs> What's golden. What's up, everybody? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you just hear, oh, oh, like from the bunk area, like, oh, God. Fart. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Socks and fart. And, oh, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that some people have to get away from those triggers. And in a way, I did. So when I, for a while, I kind of, Stopped working and doing stuff just to concentrate on not in dealing with my my issues and um, 
I just knew that that was an option for me, and it, and I I made it work. However, I made it work. Yeah. And so uh, I'm still around all those people to this day. They're my closest friends, and I've actually, you know, there's been a few people that have asked me like, "How do I stop drinking?" And I've helped a handful of my friends kind of figure things out. You know, some of them stay drinking, some of them don't, and you know. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's the good thing about your personality type too is when you decide, I'm not going to do this shit anymore. Yeah, you're kind of just over it, you know. Well, I mean. There was always times where I thought, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna, I might go back out and drink again, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that." But then I was just thought, like, "It's just not for me. That's not an option right now." And you know, I don't know what tomorrow is gonna hold for me, but right now it's not. Yeah. And uh, my life has gotten exponentially better. My like, I, I, I work in music, and the way I did that was I was playing music when I was really young. And then the partying kind of took over, and then I got these jobs working for these bands, and then this, it was just all about the party. Yeah. And I stopped playing. I stopped shooting. I stopped doing all the stuff that I do. And uh, kind of right around the year before I got sober, I started shooting again, buying little shitty cameras and getting back in that because I, I used to shoot film. I used to shoot all like little punk shows and stuff that I'd go to in LA growing up in the late 80s, early 90s. And um, I started shooting again. I started talking to all the rock photographers and like, oh, what are you using? Oh, what do you, what, what do you recommend? And da-da-da-da. And I would just go buy that. And then I'd learn how that worked. And then I would shoot and I'm like, okay, I outgrew this. Yeah. Boom, I outgrew this. Okay. Until I got to a level of, of gear that was better than me, obviously, and then um, it just, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, but once I got sober, um, all that came back. Yeah, or it, create, or, or it almost like helps you transition, like you have to supplement that with something else, you know? Right, I mean? so, and so for like, me it was, it was really the creative process, and then it came back like 20-fold, yeah. like to where it's hard for me to not think about yeah. Stuff Again, to where I, I have to branch out. I think out. that's your personality type. I have too, to branch too. out. I'm obsessive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I shoot a lot. I do a lot of photography. I shoot a lot of bands and primarily music stuff. But I have my arty film side as well. I shoot a lot of film. Um, and then I'm playing music again. I'm out playing shows again. I'm Sick. recording my own stuff again, and that which is different. I've always been in bands and kind of. Put the bands together and wrote the music end of stuff, not lyrics. But like um, a few years ago, uh, I started writing with somebody, and it just kind of became a thing. And then now I play shows again. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, I've been playing shows again. Hell yeah! Like down in San Diego, playing with some friends and solo acoustic singer songwriter type stuff, which is not my what I'm, people genuinely think about me. Yeah. But that's kind of what I'm doing right now musically, Killer. and uh, it's the, with the photography and the music and everything. It's like it's on my terms. It's not my bread and butter. You know what I mean? So it's something that I do when I want, and I do it how I want, and I work with who I want. Yeah. Or who that's, I can. That's how it's the most fulfilling, dude. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, you know, that's just a huge. Part of it, and now, like, I have kids. My kids are older now, and um, my oldest is like a tr- jazz trumpet player. He knows theory, he can read and write, he thinks all 
modern music is garbage yeah. for the most part. Yeah, which I don't disagree with a lot of. <laughs> and then my uh, my middle kid, um, he um, he's very much into punk rock and hip hop and what's current, and he loves a lot. He loves Zeppelin and. He and I talk about guitars, and like he's like, "What do you, what do you think about this guitar?" And should I play it Telly like you, or like, well, I'm like all my gear, play it. Like yeah. I have some <laughs> rad stuff, but it's nothing's off limits to my kids. That's dope. Get it, play it, use it. If you break it, cool. Guess what? I can fix it. Like exactly. it's all good, <laughs> you know. And my daughter is um, very visually creative, so all three of my kids are like super. Super creative, and now it's just I kind of dig that, you know. Like, what do you guys like? Here, do something with it. Yeah. Here, use this. Take pictures. I, I bought them cameras, and they have. My father's also an artist, and so it's like here. My grand, my dad gave them uh, lessons in perspective when they were really young. Crazy. So they draw in perspective. They can. They kind of know what they're doing, and it's just trying to stimulate that. And then now that I'm kind of. Overboard with that, like they, that's all they see me do. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting how when you explain shit to other people too, or you're teaching somebody, it almost makes you sort of learn in the process of teaching because you have to hone in on what you're saying. Because yeah, for normally sure. we're as creatives, we're so scatterbrained. We're just like okay, but then over here, and then exactly. But when you're teaching somebody, you're like okay, this is how you set your aperture. Yeah. And then you're like. Fuck! I need to like focus on doing that more when I'm shooting yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's, it's very interesting how you hone There's, in. On I things. think that's true with just about everything. Yeah. When you're doing something, you're gonna learn or reinforce it. Let's say a hundred times more by showing somebody else who doesn't know how to do it or teaching somebody that thing, that craft. Yeah. That theory, whatever, what have you, and there's a lot of things in my life that I've noticed that that's how it works. Yeah, I, you know, showed my kid how to clean the garage. Well, I showed <laughs> I showed him by doing it with him, or teaching him how to do it, or how to sweep the, you know, the patio. And then you just go back to the basics of like, okay, so this is what you do, and you're like, fuck, okay, yeah, this is all you yeah. do. Yeah, okay, it's, but but it's but it's rad, and if you're willing to do it with some, do go over that with somebody instead of just telling them. Yeah. You know, there's sure. there's things to be gained by both parties. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So that's that's what's I think that's what's so cool about it. And um but yeah, I mean, I, I've just it's hard for me to not it's hard for me to focus on some things like I have to go, okay, I'm not going to work on photography for like this week and I'm just going to do music this week. Yeah. And just really f- try to work on that as much as I can besides with work and my kids and my girlfriend and this and that and well, it's fucked up because it's like you have technology has made it so accessible to do all these things simultaneously too, right? That it makes it even more difficult because you're like, oh, I can just open up my iPad and I can edit photos, draw, make music, blah 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 blah, blah. right? And it's all it's just like a click of a button, music program, exactly, and and it's all there, so. It's so hard to like hone in on something. I think that's I think that's one of the things that's so cool about I kind of try to keep it analog. True, true. In a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, I use my iPad and I use my computer for music uh, and all those things that you said. But um, like we say with music, I I write everything on an acoustic guitar hmm. and I write it down on a, with a pen. You just and sometimes it I just use my phone in the notes or something. Or in the yeah. notes, yeah, and then yeah. I actually have that little Sure 
SM58 microphone that goes into your phone. That's a little flip thing. Yeah, dope. And I'll just record like an idea or like a melody or whatever, and I can come back and revisit it. Yeah. Um, I use it like use it in that regard, but most of the time I'm just writing it down, and then just I'll play it. Repetition is how things work for me. Yeah. After constantly be doing that like I have about nine finished songs right now that I'm in the process of recording I I probably kind of run like my set as it were three times a day without fail every day damn every single day that's awesome. like I always have my guitar with me um, and I'm pretty much always doing that when I'm not working or whatever I'll find the time you know, like before I go to work or when I get home, yeah, and and actually, that's funny because, um, the, what happened was when I started writing again was uh, my the guys at Fender who have been just amazing to me forever sent me an acoustic guitar. They have these new Paramount guitars, these acoustics. They're beautiful. They sent me one, and I sent a picture of it to my girlfriend at the time, and she was a very accomplished uh, songwriter, singer, and. Uh, She's like, oh, that's awesome. It's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, it sounds so good, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, write me a song. I'm like, what? Like, do you just want me to, uh, you want a hook or what? You know, uh, you know, she said, no, no. You have a day off. You're in a hotel somewhere. Go write me a song. And I looked at it as like a challenge. Like, okay, I'll show you. Yeah. So I wrote a song. I wrote, um, and I hadn't done it in years. I mean, literally hadn't thought about doing it. And uh, I wrote like 10 verses of something. I sent it to her through the phone. Again, the technology helping. And literally 20 minutes later, she wrote a chorus and did like a backup thing. I don't know how she used to do it, but she does like a backing vocal with her phone. I don't know how she does it. Huh. And, um, and so she sent it back to me. And she edited it down, and I was like, "Whoa, that's like not a bad song." She's like, "Like that's a really good song. Like you should keep doing it." Damn. And so for that tour, I just kept writing and coming up with ideas, and um, just kind of on my own, and not really even telling anybody that I was doing it. Uh, I was doing a lot of photography at the time, so I'd go out and shoot and stuff. When I come back at night, I had this acoustic guitar, but it was still, you know, it's loud, so I played with my fingers hmm. and to be quiet, and so it really made me focus on. You know my hand position and hitting notes clean and like damn all of that and and then phrasing and then then the writing aspect. You know I had gone through a divorce and I was like heartbreak and wah poor me and that's kind of what that most of the first early songs were about that and then just weird random stories of from my life like little snippets you know yeah wherever they fit and. um and that's kind of where that came from. Yeah. You know? I'm thankful that we have that shit, dude. Yeah. Most people don't have that. It's it's really therapy. Like the Without when, a doubt. When you when you are in the zone or whatever and mm-hmm. you, you black out and you're not thinking about anything and you're just kind of existing. I mean that that's like meditation at its core. Exactly. You know? Oh for sure. Without They're, a doubt. And and yeah, I kind of I don't want to say I go to a different place, but I kinda of do. Yeah. You know what I mean, and it's like it's I'm out I'm on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. and it actually really it's really helps me to process things in my life that I might have like written about something from when I was a kid. Yeah, and like fuck, I never really thought of it that way, and like oh, you know, like maybe my 
dad wasn't so bad about that. Maybe I just need to see that now from his point of view as a as a parent. You know, because I mean? yeah. now my my <laughs> boys are older and my daughter and everything. And I'm just going, Ugh. <laughs> Jesus Christ! How old? Uh, my oldest is uh, 18. He's about to graduate high school. Oh, so you're like, yeah. And uh, just music. He cares about nothing else. Plays the kind of a gamer. Just music. He doesn't. Why would I go do that? Like that's this whole thing. Why would I do that? That's like, that's not going to help me in any way. Like, it must be crazy to be a, a kid right now. Like, it's got to be insane. I mean, I mean, with I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I cannot. No, I couldn't either. Going through the most awkward time of your life with all this technology. With, with the technology. I mean, I think that it's true. Like our generation was probably one of the last generations to know true privacy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my kids will never know true privacy. It's yeah, but just privacy is kind of fucking boring, to be honest. Like, it, yeah, yes and no. I don't want I mean, people there's, spying there's, on me. But there's days where I'm like, yeah, give me the chip, put it in the back of my neck, <laughs> I'm good to go. Like, yeah, you know, Google Dad. But I mean, it's um, it, it's there's something to be said for it when I just want to not be not, known or seen and I just don't know. walk I mean, away. You, like, you remember being bored? <laughs> All the time. You remember what, what that my, was? You remember what that was like? Craziest <laughs> shit came from being bored. What happens if we do this? Like, <laughs> like just put a firecracker in it. I don't care. But no, no, one, no one says that shit now. Like, when was the last time you were like, "Fuck"? I'm but yeah, but people still do that. Bored. They still do that. But now it's you can watch it. True. Yeah. True. Kids get bored true. no matter what. You you can have kids that have the craziest lifestyle, and yeah. I know some kids. Who have everything, yeah, and they will still be bored, yeah, and they'll because it's their everyday. It's the, it becomes their mundane, and it's like, what else can I do? Yeah, but is it is it bored or is it lack of doing lack of, um, like what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, stimulation. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because I I remember being a kid and like sitting in my room and just like throwing a ball at the wall or something. Yeah. Like shit like that where you're just sitting there and you're like, I need something to fucking do. And now it's like, I'm just going to, oh, what I'm watching videos and I'm on the right. internet and I, I'm then, doing this You know what, that, that's, you know? that's what's crazy is like, I get mad at my kids, like turn the, how about, you know, no screen time, an hour before bed maybe. Yeah. And they're like, huh, you're funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Whatever, and then like um, we'll have those nights though where we'll put on again part of my analog lifestyle. I put on vinyl. I have I have records. You know, we'll put records on. Like I buy my kids records. They have a little section in my vinyl, you know, of my record collection of their records. Yep. Yeah. You know, when they when I take them to the record store, they get to pick out a record. Sick. You know, my daughter has this thing about Christmas records. She has a huge collection now. Of like old Christmas records and new Christmas records from Elf to like Elvis, Johnny Mathis. Like she has all these Christmas records now. Crazy. I have a Joe. She got a Joey Ramone, ten inch <laughs> vinyl Christmas record. You know, and it, and just like all the stuff. And then then I I can actually see the stuff that my kids are into because if you're gonna get it on vinyl, like. You're not streaming that. You're going to listen to that. You're going to hear all the imperfections and all that kind of crap. And yeah, you know, um, I think that's what's really missing from music and, and uh, entertainment and stuff is the disposable aspect of it. Because oh, totally. as, as soon as you listen to something on Spotify or a streaming service or whatever, watch a TV show, you're just like, okay, 
next. But if it's physically in your space, it just gives you a different. It just gives you a different outlook on that. You're more invested. You're, in, exactly, in your, it's part and, of your world. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's a huge thing, and it, it's such a double-edged sword. So. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day um, that in the era of the record, I was still there in the era of the record company when the record company called the shots and, you know, um, and they were the tastemakers. Mm-hmm. You know, they developed bands. They would sign a young band and bring them up and create some amazing stuff. Not always great, but most of the time, like these classics that you know, hear of. You know, there was a bunch of people. There was a machine developing that and bringing that to fruition, and mm-hmm. keeping maybe things out of the press that needed to be, and this and that. But to create an illusion of what this was, right? And that era's gone. That will never ever happen again. I mean, sure, you somebody might get a development deal, but it's like if that single doesn't isn't a hit right off the bat, that first single, they're done. They're gone. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, well, we're the, we're thinking they're going to do good things on their third record. You know, like that just will never happen again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um sure. and and people were played better. I mean, I think that you know, and not knocking kids now, but they have a laptop and they can get a controller um and they have they can make synth textures and beats and chop up beats from other people and create it's still a creative process and it's still music don't get me wrong but hand that kid a guitar or put him on a real piano and then say okay now write a song mm. or now create something you know more than likely it's going to be really difficult for them not yeah. to say that they won't do it well i mean it's two ways to look at that you could take a classically trained musician and sit him in front of a computer and say hey chop up this sample and they'd be like what the fuck are you talking about you know what I mean? It's right. it's kind of just like, oh right. I mean, it's I, kind of the, you could look at it both ways, but I think that um, the development part is super important, right? Like yeah. that that part is like having a team and doing all that. And the main thing is is like they need to figure out how to monetize music again properly. Agreed, totally. Um, <laughs> they they essentially music now is to be given away. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's just it's 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 nothing to most people. And it sucks because I watch a lot of people that you know that I know and love, and you know my family. I have a bunch of musicians there um, beat their brains against the wall trying to write a song, and knowing that they're never going to like sell a million copies, but just to the process of writing. And now, at one point, maybe they would have sold a song and maybe got a little bit of that mail that mailbox money and. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen anymore. You yeah. know, unless you sell, you get a, like a licensing deal with a video game or a movie or something like that, then maybe. Yeah, but I think it's shifted a lot too. I think uh, we were running the numbers, me and my friend, the other day with Spotify and, and just Spotify, right? And I think it was Drake had like a billion plays on one of his songs. Right. And it was $5. Worth, it was, <laughs> no, dude. It was worth like $6 million or something for like a billion streams. Right. Which is, which is, not that crazy, considering they that you've taken out the distribution and the actual physical production of this shit, you know. Right, but does he own the masters? I'm pretty sure the label owns the pretty masters. Pretty sure the label. That's and that's the, and that's that's the tricky that part is like going to the they're label. in bed with Spotify. Like the labels yeah. are invested in Spotify, so yeah. it's the, still this machine. Like so, there's there's a lot of lot of 
older artists who are like redoing record deals or just you I mean the thing is I think in a lot of ways the label is really not that needed no anymore um some people it is they still need that structure and that you know machine um but it it really isn't and I think it depends you, on the tier right like if yeah. you, if you're up here and you're a big touring artist playing at the Grammys and doing all this crazy shit Obviously, you need a team because you have travel logistics, touring logistics, blah, 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 blah. You need a team to support what you're doing, right? Right, but you can do that all in-house. You can, but I you I mean, still... even, now, even now, there's bands that like, oh, we need to work on radio. Yeah. Well, let's, we'll hire, it's, that's now a freelance gig. That used to be a label job. Now it's like, True. here's a guy who just handles radio. Yeah. He's got K-Rock, he's got 91X, he's got whatever, whatever, whatever. And so when you're out doing your promo, he's got it all set up, and you're paying that guy a fee. So you're talking about the structure of a regular label? Or like well, the, yeah, but no, I'm just saying like machine the, the machine of, of, yeah. of the music business as a whole. Like, I mean, commercial radio, terrestrial radio, whatever you want to call it, um, I don't listen to it. I haven't listened to it in years. I don't know who listens to I it. Don't, Dude, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were just like... Uh, we were talking about putting some shit on iTunes to purchase, and I was like, "Who the fuck do you know that buys right something you know, on iTunes?" You know, the only thing that's, <laughs> the, only, the only thing that's progressively uh, expanding in music is vinyl sales, is record sales. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. and there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for holding that 12-inch jacket with artwork and. You know the vinyl inside. There's a download card in there, so you can still have a digital copy. You can just stream it anyways, whatever. Um, but there's something to be said for that. And I and I mean, I grew up in that that era, yes. But um, it's cool, man. Like to have artwork that either the artist either did themselves or they said, "Oh, like, we want to work with this guy to represent us." Like Black Flag had all the Pettybone stuff. You know what I mean? Like the, there was just so much stuff, and there was bands that did all their own artwork. I love the old heavy metal album covers. Yeah, they were like look like you know high school folder peachy drawings. You know totally. what I mean? It's like <laughs> here's a skull with some flames and a <laughs> dragon coming out of there. And you know what I mean? Like that yeah. or that the, the really lower grade metal bands had those kind of that kind of artwork. Yeah, you know SOD. There's just like all those bands like. It was very DIY, and I loved that. I loved that kind of art. But then you get some of these classic images, you know what I mean? And the folds and like multiple vinyls. And like I think all. it'll come back to that, though. I think, I think like, it is. It's like, I think yeah, it is. Like the vinyl stuff, or just releasing like a coffee table book with your album, or right. Or there's whatever. there's there's all kinds of crazy different marketing techniques that people are doing now. Yeah. Like uh, there's a, somebody uh, did a selection of like uh, they did 45s, the small records. And they uh, like did one of like twelve instead of a big vinyl. They did twelve smalls. Damn, you know what I mean with a B side to each one. And there was like, and then they would do a video with each song. You know what I mean? It was just like that's dope. There's all kinds of crazy ways to do things and get people to. And it depends on your demographic because yeah, it's like, obviously yeah, like you're gonna need to sell to somebody who listens who has a record player that can like play right. I mean, but they sell and... records everywhere now. Yeah. Walmart sells vinyl. Do they really? Oh yeah. Oh man. Target sells vinyl. Fuck. But it's all it's all your Taylor Swifts and your whatever, which is amazing. My daughter loves Swifty. <laughs> and by you, the way, I do too. If I now. saw you buying Taylor Swift vinyl way, no, at Target, I, I would, would totally do it. I have. <laughs> I bought them for my daughter, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. Um, 
it's that that's her gateway into records. Yeah, for sure. And she knows that I listen to records, and her mom at at their house listens to records, and her older brothers that have records, and she has a setup of records at my house when she comes over. And she's gonna like oh like I'm gonna sit down and put a record on, and she's done that from time to time. My my boys do all the time. Like they they love digging through stuff and going, what's this and. You know, and my oldest is like, you don't, have records any, is dope, you don't have enough jazz <laughs> records, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I know, easy guy. <laughs> you know, but you know, my 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 middle son was loves the Cure now. You know, he's 15 and he loves the Cure, and he can play probably about 10 Cure songs on guitar. So cool. Yeah. Super proud dad. Yeah, I'm totally. <laughs> I really want you to be into this guy with ratty hair and shitty lipstick and. Cause that's what that was, you know. I'm me in the mid '80s. That's where I was. That's what I went to. I went to. I saw the Cure at the Forum on the Standing on the Beach tour. Damn. And you know what I mean. It was an evening with. It was a greatest hits night. It was like mind blowing. Yeah, it was yeah. insane. I mean, <laughs> it was it was nuts. But I mean, and now he's listening to those same records. You know, he's listening to the Zeppelin. He's listening to like. All this crazy. I'm like, you should. I'm like, you should listen more to this. He's like, no, 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 no. I like this. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, get into your stuff. You know, how did you? How did you get involved in like the whole touring thing? Like, when did that start? Um, it's really hard to say. So, um, when I was a little kid, um, my dad and my uncles had bands, and um. My parents had me when they were really young, and so I was just always around. Like, oh no, no, he's just, he's cool. He's with us. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm just a little kid, <laughs> and uh, they would have parties at my house, and my dad was a drummer, and yeah. so there was, he would put the drum set in my room for me. I never touched it. You know what <laughs> I mean? I knew I could take it apart and rebuild it. <laughs> yeah, because that's that kind. That's the kind of kid I was. Um, but I was always around gear, and so. You know, hey, your mom's at work. You're coming with me. Grab the cymbals. Throw them in the back of the truck. Okay, I can I can hold snares and toms because they were small and I was little. Dude, you've been doing this your whole life. I pretty much yeah. Yeah, I've been around this as longer just always. Yeah. You know, I have pictures of me with my grandfather. Both my grandfathers, they're playing guitar and harmonica like in the backyard and like you know just yeah. Goofing with everybody and the whole family's around, and that's just what we did. And um, and so I would go to with my dad and my uncles to their shows, and that was it. And, you know, I could t- I could fall asleep on a drum riser <laughs> as a little kid. <laughs> I would put earplugs in. I would just crash while my dad played. And I went to all these bars and clubs in L.A. in the '70s and the '80s. Was it like were they big bands or were they no kind of like bar bands, cover around? bands, top forty? Dope. They were doing like Tommy Two Tone and like you know eight six seven five three zero nine, and they would do like whatever was whatever was at cool at the time. Like they had some originals, but you know, and they recorded a couple things. I'm thinking no thing never really came out. My dad wound up selling some songs. My dad, uber creative person as well, uh, he wound up selling some songs and trading them for studio time and whatever. Um, but yeah, I did that, and then uh, I started bands and playing in high school, like everybody else, and getting into trouble and going to punk rock shows. And 
all the shenanigans that go with it. You know, growing up, I grew up in Redondo Beach, which is kind of like for LA punk rock is kind of ground zero. You know, there's all Circle Jerks, Black Flag, you know, all that. Red Cross, you know, South Bay was, that was the spot. And, um, and that I just, we did, we just did it yourself. You know, you go to the whatever lodge and Elks Lodge and like, hey, we want to have a band play. And like, you dumb kids, you know, you know, we're just trying to get beers and watch our, our friends play. Yeah. You know, and then so um, that just became that. And uh, my dad, so my dad had a, and my uncle had a uh, rehearsal space. So my friends' bands and my bands, we would get to, we would go use their stuff. Oh my God. That's and so it was cool. like, don't, don't use that guitar. That's my uncle's guitar, but you can use his amp. Yeah. But we got a PA and it was like rad. So, you know. Yeah. And it was like, I kind of figured out how to do little things and, oh, this is just this. And I would figure out how to, Little tweaks on how to make shit work, you know, because you didn't have money, yeah. and you'd always break stuff, and because you know, like just ch- you're chopping wood essentially, and <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and so I had bands, and then you know, just going out and partying with everybody, and eventually, uh, you know, just made friends with everybody and all the b- bands in the scene, and then I would always, my bands never stuck together, would stay together because one thing or another. And then I would have like, hey, can you help us out? You want to go with us up to San Francisco to do a show, or you want to go with us to Santa Cruz or San Diego? All right, cool. You know, all the beers and whatever I wanted for my troubles, and it just progressively got bigger. And then it was, you know, early '90s. I started working with uh, No Doubt. Oh shit! And uh, they had their record out and. We were all friends, and um, was I like jumped in a van and I record? drove to New Mexico. Which, which record was that? That was the one. That it was they hit off. so the first record was the red, the red cover record, mm-hmm. um, self-titled, and then um, uh, I was. We were doing the the Tragic Kingdom songs okay. on a tour, and they on that tour, that first tour, we were at a bar in Tahoe, and this poster tube showed up, and they opened it up, and it was the art, the album artwork for. Tragic Kingdom, crazy, you know. Wow, that that's those that's my that was college for me. No shit. In a van, two vans, band van, gear van. I'm in the gear van with sound guy, matter merch guys with the band driving them, and we just New Mexico to Denver, Tahoe, like the the West Coast run. You know what I mean? Did you when ever, you, would, did you ever and, play the Phoenix in Petaluma? Uh, I believe so. I think you guys did. I'm pretty sure that we did in the. I want to say there was an Edge. Was there an Edge club there? No. No, I don't think so. No, I'm no. thinking of someplace else. The Phoenix is like they got a bunch of skate ramps and shit in there. And probably. I mean, we did we did everything. Yeah. And the band probably did it at one point. Yeah, I might I might not have been there for that, but um, crazy dude. So then Tragic Kingdom hits, and you guys are just fucking going. Yeah, we we probably ran on that record for I would say almost three years. Yeah. Of just hardcore touring. And how was that trajectory? Because you guys went from like touring in a van and then I'm so, sure it went Tokyo, Paris, yeah, everywhere. like yeah, shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Shenanigans. We went on a tour to shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to shenanigans, <laughs> tell them I sent you. <laughs> totally. Oh, it's I, a hilarious story. We went we had did we went to Israel. We went we did a show in Israel and um we went there and 
we went, we were bonkers by that time. Like we had been running for two years, something crazy. And we were like now going to places, like we went to India, we went to all these places that like, you know, a lot of bands weren't going. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm very thankful that the guys wanted to do that because there's a lot of bands I work for that only wanted to do North America. I was pulling teeth to get them to leave the country. You yeah. Know, later on, it was just, you know. Well, especially there, that, that, that time. Yeah. Too, right? So that was like, 96, 97, something yeah. around there. And uh, maybe even 98. And um, so we go and we're just out of control, like just being us, you know? And then uh, a friend of mine goes, gets there about, I don't know, a month or two later. And he's like, oh, yeah, my friends were just here. And, and she's like, oh, yeah, who's your friends? Like, oh, you know, the, the No Doubt guys. And they all started rolling their eyes. He's like, he just couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Like they're like, oh, those guys, oh, great. I hope they never come back here. That's I'm fun. sure they. I think pretty sure they did. Like we, it was fun. Like we weren't, we weren't bad. We were just like, we was like, let's go. Yeah. Where else? What can we see? Where can we go? Like, you know, late night street food. Like, what have you? That must have been so cool, dude. Because everything was so new too, and you're like everything perfect age. Yeah, right? and we were all like in our, we were like all in our mid twenties. Yeah, and just like here, here's here's a ticket to everywhere. And just have fun, and we did. We had a great time, and um, that's awesome. And I look that that era of my life was super rad, and you know I love those guys for all the fun we had. And um, but then it progressed, and I worked for different bands. I started doing clubs, and uh, I had a, a stint with uh, House of Blues. I ran I ran parts of that like stage on Sunset. No, uh, Anaheim. Anaheim, it, okay. it downtown Disney. I, I did the install of that club. Damn. And uh, I worked there for like three years. Some amazing people like that I'm still friends with. You know what I mean? They're, it was great experience. And after that, um, uh, I started doing more tour managing and production manager and uh, more of a heavy responsibility type of thing. But I just really wasn't equipped to that for that. Yeah. I could do it, and I did it. I did it fairly well, actually. Um, and I worked on a really high level, but it was getting in the way of me having a good time. Yep. And so <laughs> I kind of reverted and um, did the jobs that let me have a good time. Yeah. And then finally, I was like, "Fuck, I I'm having too of, good of a time. I gotta get out of shenanigans, yeah, man. I, gotta, I, gotta I got kicked out of shenanigans. <laughs> I've been here for a long time. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm definitely. The, I would equate my. Um, my uh, my drinking career uh, to that guy who went to the party and stayed way too long. Like yeah. I'm that guy who's still at your house at nine in the morning. <laughs> hey, I think we're out of beer. <laughs> you know, Jesus. I'm that guy. After like you know, I've 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 definitely had those nights where I've tapped my checking account. Like, oh yeah, I'm done. You got any money left? Like, let's go. Oh my god. Yeah, it was like that. You know. Shit. So, um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, so from there I did that, and then uh, like in '06, um, I started working with Plus Forty Four, which was Mark and Travis from Blink. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd known the Blink guys throughout the years since like back in the No Doubt days uh, when they were just coming up. And um, one of my really good friends worked for them, and so if I was home and I didn't have anything to do, like, hey, can you come and? Do a show with us? I'm like, yeah, totally. These guys are rad. They're a super cool band. So I would go down to San Diego and then fly off from with them and go do a show every once, twice, 
um, you know a year. Yeah, you know what I mean, just for fun, and um, and they were popping, right? They, they yeah, that was like that was like just time. just around damn it, yeah, you know, dude ranch, and that was like the one that was that's what broke them. So they were they popped at like the same time as uh, no doubt then, right? Around, a little bit or, later, or around the time, I would say like they were around then, but they were starting to get bigger, like towards ninety seven, okay, ish. Yeah. They were they were on Warp Tour and they were doing all doing the whole thing, and, yeah, yeah, you know, and they and they were. Those guys were all super cool, and we all hung out. You know what I mean? Every, there was a real, there was a real unity vibe with most of the bands back then. You know what I mean? It was, you know, uh, just all all those bands in that area. Everyone, for me, everybody everybody got along great. You know what I mean? Like, oh, did you hear blah blah, blah with this band now or go rad or you know whatever? It was super cool. We 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 all got along pretty well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's there wasn't awesome. a lot. You heard about whatever instances, but I was on personal beef shit. But it wasn't anything crazy. You know, it was all. It got squashed pretty quick, and maybe just because we were young and we didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, Probably. Oh, great. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know. Um, but yeah. So uh, and then then Blink got back together, and so I've been with Mark since '06. Damn. And um, working for Blink and. Um, that's like when I started shooting again and doing all that and shooting live, shooting them. I kind of cut my teeth uh, shooting them again. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny because uh, I just moved and uh, I found this huge box of prints and negatives. And it was like Fender's Ballroom in Long Beach in the 80s. No way. Yeah, it's like 45 Grave and L, the, the L7 like as a bar band, like in opening for 45 Grave wow. at Fender's Ballroom in Long Beach you know what I mean and like Christian Death and like all these just like bands that nobody really I mean I think 45 Grave actually just played I know L7's playing again they're doing stuff with, with Rancid but it was like just the negatives or prints the, or? I found prints and the nags and a bunch of Crazy. stuff and and you look at I looked at the work and went fuck I, I sucked <laughs> that was high school shit but I mean I was making my own prints and I was processing my own film and you know, and I thought that's, I mean, I was kind of set up to go to art school at a high school. Uh, my dad kind of pushed for it because he's, his, my dad makes his money with art. And um, he kind of was pushing me in that direction. And I was like, no, I'm going to play music, dad. I'm going to play punk rock and da 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 da. And like, yeah. Uh, later, he was like, I wanted to slap the shit out of you. I'm sure. <laughs> but he was just like, all right. But you have to be who like, am I to tell you not open to? Open-minded, exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm not the one to tell you no. You know, you'll learn. I'm, you'll learn. You'll find your. My way. dad had a factory job when I was born, and um, he decided, you know, fuck this. I'm not gonna. That's not my life. And my dad worked full time job and went to art school. My dad graduated from art center on his own, on his own accord. Doing uh, painting or what? Graphic design. He was uh, so like out of art school. My dad was um, doing. Uh, commercial. Who's an art director? That's right. So he worked for all these like publications, you know. And that was back when you had to like really do it. That's when public. That's when like yeah, publications, magazines were everything. Like you couldn't just like type a font and then no, no, like, they, oh, print I, it out. You know so what I mean? So he crazy. he taught me how to do that when I was eighteen. Like so typography I could get a job. or like a, uh, well, to do paste up art. So okay. you you would get the the galleys. From the guy, so it was like just your tower of, of type. Okay. And you would, you had a. Those a, are called like a, galleys? Yeah, you would have a poster board, right? Of, um, and it had like these blue markings that wouldn't show up on when they were 
when they'd be photographed. Okay. So you would place them and the photos, and you would have to have halftones shot of the images. That what, is like, a, what is like, a halftone? Like a pixelated image with dots. Like when you, if you were to get like a loop and look at a newsprint, uh-huh. you could see all the dots. Interesting. So as, uh, a, as like a reference point. Um, or what? No, no, it was the actual image. Like you go, oh, they would shoot a negative, but then they would do it would be reduced to these dots. Like it's, it's like a DPI. Like oh, got you. You okay. know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so you would put it all. You would build the page with, and you would get the paper and you would cut it out and you would run it through these wax machines, and then you would pay, put it down, and the wax was the adhesive to keep the type down and the, and everything, and then no you would shit. do. Color overlays, right? So then this clear piece of mylar would go over it, and you would cut it. If you wanted this thing to be red, you cut it out red. Oh my god! So it was like doing hand cut silk screening, but that's how you did like these little like the penny saver and all these little magazines. And I was like about eighteen, nineteen, and then they were just getting computers in, and everything was on a program called PageMaker. Wow! And so you could go in there, and they would give you everything, and you would have to type. And you were starting to build things on the computer, but that wasn't fast enough. So people were still faster then. So, you know, at that time when I was 18 and I was making like $20 an hour in the late 80s, that was like. You were balling out of control. I was, I, I was making more money <laughs> than my friend's parents. Yeah, I was going to say, you're you like, know? man, fuck your parents. Yeah. Let's go, let's go get fucked up tonight. You're- exactly. That's exactly what happened. It's on me, <laughs> exactly. And so, um, <laughs> but that's how I got all my gear. That's how I got. I got good music gear. Wow. I got real amp. I got a real guitar. I got a couple guitars. You know, I got this and but pedals and. Um, Damn, that's wild. Yeah, and um, I got shit canned off that job, just not showing <laughs> up. You know, I was eighteen. I was like, "Fuck, can I just call in sick again?" Yeah, I can call in sick. I think I can do that. <laughs> I don't know, man. These fucking gallows are waiting yeah, for you. But I mean, yeah. So, um, but you know, lessons learned. Um, it was a bummer, you know, to lose that job. But I, and but it it had to have happened that way because I was like, oh, I miss work to go play a show. Yeah. Like I'm going up to L.A. and there's no way I'm going to make it because I had moved to Orange County. There's no way I'm going to make it back to Orange County to be at work at eight in the morning. There's just no way. Yeah. Screw it. I right, call in sick. Cool. Okay. You know what I mean, and um, and that's just kind of how it went. But uh, that's how it always goes. And then you know, just had a series of crappy jobs, like everybody else. I worked at a gas station in a shitty neighborhood at night, graveyard shift. <laughs> yeah. And I worked at Tower Records. That was rad. Which one? The one in Orange County on El Toro Road. Cool. And uh, if, uh, funny enough, uh, Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. Worked next door at the music house, um, <laughs> trying Crazy. to sell drums. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, and at night he would put he would set the drums up and close the store, and we would just hear him just like practicing. No way. Yeah, he'd come into Tower Records like all sweaty. <laughs> so it on, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's um, awesome. But yeah, and uh, worked there, and I worked at a store called Rack and Ruin, which was like a punk rock store. We imported. Doc Martens and Creepers from the UK and punk rock T-shirts and records and you know that's that store that everybody had growing up. Yeah, you know there's graffiti all over the wall and punk rock flyers and yeah, you know Dead Kennedys T-shirts, the same <laughs> you know the same Misfits Fiend logo shirt that 
all that. Yeah. Pre pre mall punks. Sick. So it was still like I knew a guy that can get a thing. If we can, I don't know, try to get a spike belts. Okay, <laughs> tight. You know, it was that kind of shit. So, um, and that was that's kind of some crazy shenanigans there too. It was just like I'm sure young punk rock kids like <laughs> skateboarding out front and smoking cigs and. You know, doing what we do. Not a lot's changed, though. Kids still do that shit. Yeah. You know? No, I know. I have kids. Yeah, I have absolutely. I have teenage kids <laughs> yeah. that are so in that <laughs> realm. Of, yeah. My middle my middle kid. He uh, he skates. He's really good. He's better than I. He's a better guitar player. He's a better skater. Like he's just. I'm like, all right, just don't be a better drinker. <laughs> oh my god. Woo. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um. But I mean, that's 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 gonna be his. Thing to to deal with, not mine. So, so what do you got coming up? What's what's next? Uh, so, the photography is I've kind of put on a back burner. It's just mainly uh, I'm doing just prints of film work mm-hmm. that I've been doing, and I've done a few commercial things. I shot a bunch of stuff for the Interrupters recently uh, for some promo for them. They're good old friends. Um, I shoot live stuff here and there still. Um, it's just not really the focal point. Just the uh, I've just playing, been playing a lot of music. Yeah. And spending time with my kids uh, as far as that goes. Um, I have a coffee thing I've been working on. Uh, so hopefully I will have that out in the fall. What's that? So as one does when they get sober, they find coffee. Yep. And uh, <laughs> and coffee um, is a lot different than it was when I was a kid. You know what I mean? And um, I grew up in a weird coffee culture. You know, when I was a little kid, you know, my grandmother would have all her friends over, and you know, they would be having coffee, and I'd be like this little kid who wanted to hang out with my grandma because, yeah. like, she would watch me because my mom would have to work, and they would give me cafe con leche, which was like. Uh, coffee. It was like milk with a little bit of coffee in it, and I yeah. thought, "Oh, I'm sitting here with the adults. Totally, and I have little cookies, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, like yeah." So I've been, I've had coffee, you know, my whole life, and it was just whatever. And uh, going to Europe a lot and tasting really good coffee, really good coffee, yeah, and going to some of the nicer restaurants on the planet and hotels, some of the nicer hotels. And just because they're awesome hotels doesn't mean they have good coffee. And then just learning about it, you know, like then seeking it out and like going to finding roasters like uh, the barn in Berlin and one of my favorites. And um, just all these different, just got into it. I got into coffee, Crazy. coffee culture. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's about the ritual. It really to is. To me, yeah. it really is about the ritual. And that's kind of what got me in, uh, you know, finding it, sourcing it. Grinding it, filtering it through hot water, and like drinking it, like smelling it. There's so many <laughs> things that I can compare that to that I used to do that yep. I don't anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so wait, can you can you smoke coffee? <laughs> no, I don't think you can. <laughs> I mean, you, sh- you no, you know what? You, you could. should not. Smoke. You could. You, you could. You could smoke anything. Coffee, they have leaves, right? Coffee tree, be, trees yeah, have, it's, have leaves. Yeah, it has leaves. All right, all right. You could, I guess you could dry those leaves. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, so I got, you, I got really you, into coffee. Are you doing like a book or what, what is the project? So uh, it, it started out as wanting to do a book. 
And um, and I got really into coffee. So then I had found all these like really cool coffees that I liked. And I had called a friend uh, who owns a bunch of restaurants and bars in Orange County. And I was I needed to make some money. I wasn't really doing a whole lot. And I was like, I had some downtime. And I thought, I'll do a pop-up coffee thing. you know. And I called him like, hey, can I borrow some coffee equipment from your restaurants? Because he had like a warehouse where he stored everything. And he got me to start, he asked if I was interested in doing a cafe with him. Like, hey, we're going to do this project and we would like to do a satellite coffee thing inside of it. Like, do you, would you be interested in doing that with us? So I was like, well, okay. Like, I never, I hadn't thought, I mean, I thought like I'd, I'd maybe open a coffee place when I was retired or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. And have like bands play or like acoustic nights or something or stand-up comedy. And that was kind of like a whatever down, you know, years away. And so um, I realized that I had a lot of friends in the coffee industry. A guy that I used to play music with works for a company up in Oregon, in Portland. Another guy I used to tour with uh, quit touring, became a roaster for a really big indie coffee company. And I started calling them. Hey, what, you know, what is this and how does this work? And, and they were just like kicking, kicking down information to me. And then I put together a business plan for this thing. That's it. And I did it like in a week. When I get into something, I get really into something and I have yeah. to figure it out because sure. I don't really rest until it's done. So anyways, I figured all these, this stuff out and then uh, the whole thing, it didn't happen. There was issues with the building and termites and this and that. And I kind of was like, oh, right, you go sort that out and I'm going to move on down. The road, and then uh, I got approached by some other friends to do a coffee thing. And once I explained to them what went into opening a brick and mortar type place, they decided they wanted to develop a coffee brand, a coffee itself. So then that was another thing that I went to go learn. Hmm. And so I started talking to more roasters, and I started sourcing coffee. There's essentially, you know, there's coffee storage facilities on the East Coast and West Coast, Oakland and New Jersey, and I started figuring out, oh, but there's now there's other people who do it, store, and you know, I can go online, and I can find this particular coffee, and I can see how many bags they have, and when the next ones are coming in, and this and that, and I started figuring out all those things, like production manager for a rock band, <laughs> totally. And that's seriously what it was, and um, and then. That kind of thing fell apart as, as well as just whatever. And then the next thing was I got approached to develop a coffee for a friend's uh, company for, it was like a promo thing. So I did, I started doing cuppings, you know, tasting all these different coffees. And I, I told a roaster friend of mine what I wanted, what I was looking for. And so he brought me uh, essentially nine coffees, different levels, different prices, and this and that. And I picked two coffees, one being a really expensive one, which would have been just stupid, and another one which was like a mid-level, a mid-price range coffee, which was really good, which I kind of settled on, which is a Honduran coffee. It was a single origin. It was totally organic, and it's awesome. And so I got a bunch of samples of it, and I brought it to them, to the people I was doing it for, and they were kind of like, yeah... We could just go buy a bucket of coffee at Costco and fill it, put it in our bags with our logo. And I was just like, fair enough. Hey, 
If yeah. that's what you want to do, cool. But now and I just I, I equate this to Mr. Miyagi. I wax the floors, paint the wall, like paint the fence. I figured out all the shit that needed to be done and how to do it right. on somebody else's dime. Totally. And so I was talking to my mom, and my brother was bummed out because he had a shitty job. And I was like, fuck, I want to do something with my brothers. Like, that would be super cool because I have two younger brothers. And uh, I started out talking to them about it, and they like coffee too. And they, whatever, I trust them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're my blood. And, um, and so we kind of decided to do a coffee thing together. Dope. And so I've sourced out a bunch of stuff, and I put together uh, some stuff, and I have artwork being made right now. I own all the social media, all the dot coms, and I have all the names. And so, are you, are you selling the beans? Are you yeah. Selling, so yeah. I have a guy who's going to roast when the, that Honduran coffee that I picked yeah. for somebody else. Uh-huh. I'm going to put it out. Dope. I'm going to do 100 bags. I'm going to do small offerings of the coffees that we're going to do. Yeah. And we'll do 100 bags in the fall with some merch. Dope. And Dude, people are going to eat that up because if you, if you so. like coffee, people that are into it yeah. are super into it. It's, like, it's almost like wine culture. It's exactly like wine culture. You know? yeah. It totally is. Yeah. Um, but I think it's maybe even easier to get into. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's wine snobs and there's coffee snobs. And there's. Big time. People that are like scientists with wine, and the same thing with coffee. And, you know, there's all and everywhere in between. You know, I love coffee. Like, I've always liked coffee. Like, I'll still go to 7 Eleven and get a coffee if, you know, port in a storm. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's just, I don't do that very often, but I've been known to when I needed to or wanted to. And, you know, um, so I had this coffee and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll do something. We're gonna just we're gonna do it for fun, and it's like if it doesn't work or if it's not successful, great. But guess what? I did it. Yeah. You or, know, or and just, same. Or just keep on with the limited edition type of. That's what I think we're going to do. Releases, we're gonna yeah. we have other coffees lined up, so um, it's called Stage Right Coffee Company. Dope. Because I work on Stage Right. Sick. <laughs> and and, uh, and I have this hashtag. We got that coffee life. Tight. So and it's just always a picture of my left hand. I, I was just gonna say that, like, basically your Instagram is that, anyways. So. Yeah, my Instagram it, is that. Pictures it, of rock shows and coffee, and you holding coffee, and me holding coffee all over the world. Yeah, like oh, Paris, yep. Berlin, Tokyo. That's like, really cool. You know, and I've That's gotten really to meet cool. some really cool coffee people. Like traveling, I was in South Africa, and I met like the the champion barista down there, and he had his own blend. That was three different African coffees that he had made, and he made me a, he made me a bunch of coffee drinks. We just hung out at this event. That's and, awesome. You know, it was super cool. Yeah. You know, and then like, it also gives me something to do on days off when I'm traveling. Like, oh, I heard about this coffee place, and that's how I went to the barn in Berlin. Hmm. And they had three locations, and they had they do like these um, they're like kind of like baseball cards, mm-hmm. and it tells you about the coffee and the farmer and the process of you know, harvesting and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It gives you like all this stuff and That's then the other side is in German. And it's really cool, super cool. It's like a whole thing. And it, in, I have, uh, I travel with uh, AeroPress in my work box. Holy shit. So I make coffee on stage right. Oh my God. You know what I mean? I have a kettle, a grinder, 
That's and, amazing. And I, and I was buying coffees from all these other people, and people were sending me coffees actually, and um, and then I started uh, giving the band my coffee. Yeah, and uh, it's they seem to like it, which you know they don't have to, but they do. And then I have other coffees as well, and. Um, it seems to be going fairly well, and we're still like developing it. And I have a really good artist doing all the design work, and I have another friend of mine from another company who's doing all the web stuff. So we'll see how building the Shopify stores. We'll see how how it goes. That's you know awesome, what I mean? Dude. And that's that's kind of. I, and now when I look at that, I'm like, this is something like I can hire my kids to come and sticker bags or. Ship orders, like go to my house and just put it put it all together. Mm-hmm. And my brothers work on it with me. And you should know. like drop an album with your next batch of coffee. Well, I, I've been shooting these photos of my friends when we go out and have coffee mm-hmm. on film. And I thought about actually having a little book with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of just and it's just having coffee with friends. Yeah. You know that's killer. So I thought maybe include that'll be part of it. Maybe that'll be. In the first wave of stuff is the book, the first printing of the book. It's just like, you know, I'll do like a zine style, not like hardcover or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. You know, nothing too precious. Killer, dude. Well, I got, I got one last question. Okay. Um, what app would you recommend people download and use for your phone or your iPad, whatever? Like, is there an app that helps you out in your daily life that you would recommend? Um, the app. That I use the most, being living in Southern California, is Waze. Oh yeah. I mean, I use it constantly. I mean, I drive. Con- I'm, I drive more than I don't. I feel like I'm I always live gonna, in my car. I feel like I'm always gonna die on Waze, dude. It takes you, but here's no. It's here's, like but, go this but, way and then cross that four lane intersection, but you turn left and <laughs> it's like, bro, you just I, saved me five minutes for my risking my life. I'm gonna like, tell you. I'm gonna tell you why Waze is great for me <laughs> and only me is that because you're uh, so amped up on coffee that you're just like, fuck it. I'm yeah. just <laughs> um, I drive uh, a lot because I live. I don't live in Los Angeles, but I work in Los Angeles and I drive out to Orange County to go home. And so I go on these crazy trips. Like I'll get off the freeway past downtown and I'll go through some crazy sketchy industrial neighborhoods. <laughs> and as somebody who takes pictures and always has a camera on them, true. I get some really great images. That's dope. You know what I mean? So as long as you're cool with getting out of your car and walking around and saying what's up? Yeah. Well, I guess you know, it's different if you're going if you're going a longer distance. Like if I'm going from here to downtown or Hollywood or something, it's just like, nah. <laughs> right, but I mean that's just that's just the app that I use the most. It's too, it's too much, you know. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah. but it it does it does it saves me time. Yeah. Like I I remember having to go from Hollywood to Burbank at rush hour when I first got ways when I first found out about it. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it there. And I turned the app on, it says 30 minutes. I'm like, no way. <laughs> there is no way in hell that that's going to take 30 minutes at this time of day. And my friend was just like, just do as it says. If you get off of it, you're screwed. Stay with what it tells you to do and just and do it. And I did it, and it was like, I got there in 30 minutes. I was Whoa. like, this just... Oh, you know, light was shining on me. It was, 
it was a lifesaver. Dope. You know what I mean? It just that. I don't really do apps and things like that. I have like two games on my phone. Yeah. I have Lightroom and Photoshop, and then some stuff to interact with my different cameras. So you do all your editing on the computer then? For yeah, I do Lightroom and Photoshop. Got you. Um, and then film is just film, and then I scan. Dope. You know what I mean? So, and I prefer that. I used to do all my own darkroom stuff, which is I would like to do that again. I, I would like to build a darkroom again, and hopefully with my new house, uh, that's I can do something like that in the garage. That would be the best because yeah. I'd like to do some of my own prints again. I really like. I really enjoy that. It was like this thing about photography slowing down. It slows you down. I stop. I breathe. I think about what I'm doing. When you shoot film, that's what you do. Like I've I've been in the, the barricade with guys shooting rock shows, and I call it spray and pray. Oh my that you God, get a dude. shot. It's just like and like they seriously have to sit through two thousand frames and hope they got something. Yeah. I'll shoot maybe a hundred frames at a show, and I'll, I know I'll have gotten twenty percent. You know what I mean? But that's what comes from shooting film. Hardcore. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks cool. for coming through. Awesome. Party. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Robert, for coming through. You can stay updated on Robert. You can stay with. You can stay updated on what Robert is up to on Instagram at Robert Noise. That's R O B E R T N O I S E. Stay tuned for his original coffee, new music. And always, always having dope photography on his Instagram. Go check him out. You can follow me at SuperTightCO on all social media. Until next time, everyone, have a beautiful day. Peace.